How are you now? How are you right now? Well, folks, it's a four-game road trip, and your Montreal Canadiens were uh, starting it with a trip to Florida to visit the Panthers, and that's a team that they're probably not supposed to beat. Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and this is basically a scheduled loss, right? This is, you know, coming off that game against the the Coyotes, how how could you possibly picture them beating the Florida Panthers? They're one of the top teams in the East, one of the top teams in the league. I make a point of of never betting on the Montreal Canadiens, but this would be one of those games where if you felt like, you know, the Habs had a shot, putting some money on them would probably be a smart idea because the the betting odds going into this game would certainly not be favoring the Montreal Canadiens in the absolute slightest. And with that in mind, before we get into the recap, Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with live in-game betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team, and remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, the game starts here. And your Montreal Canadiens, they started their game against the Florida Panthers on the road, of course, not great. Um, They're getting outshot early on, but that's really no surprise, honestly. You expect the Florida Panthers to outshoot the Montreal Canadiens this season. Um, They're getting outshot, but honestly, the shots that are coming at Samuel Montembeau, they're pretty, uh, as Carey Price once put it, cosmetic. Like, they look easy for him. Because he's he's playing so well this season, like you actually have to get some lateral movement. You really need to make him think about what he's doing in order to get something past him. And the Panthers are not really doing that. But about seven minutes into the game, uh, we get a rush chance for the Panthers. It's Barkov going in with Sam Reinhardt on a two-on-one. Barkov just keeps it, and Sasha, he, he snipes one. That is a little unfortunate. It was Mike Matheson that was back on defense. You know, he played it well. He stayed in the middle, but there's not a whole lot that you can do about that. That's two very good players coming down on a two-on-one. It's just, you know, that that play was was doomed for them from the moment that it ended up in the neutral zone as a two-on-one for Barkov and Reinhardt. So, uh, one nothing for the Panthers. However, a few short minutes later, in fact, I don't even think it was a full two minutes after that, we get a ridiculous goal. Arbor Jackeye has the puck in his own zone. And he skates out to the outside hash mark on the left side. And he fires an absurd moonshot. Well, not a moonshot because he didn't throw it up in the air. But just a ridiculous pass all the way to the other side to Nick Suzuki. Hits him in stride at the offensive blue line. And Suzuki walks in and just holds it on the forehand. Freezes Anthony Stolarz and then goes upstairs top Ched with it. It's 1-1. An absolutely stunning pass from the Sheriff on that play. I mean, you got to give full marks to Suzuki for finishing that one off. But the pass from Arbor Jackeye was just absolutely sublime. Um, More on that after the recap. After that, the the period, as as it continued on for the remainder of it, you, you got to understand a little bit that the Panthers are the superior team. I mean, at five on five, they're, they're looking like the better team, but the Habs are skating with them. They're playing much better hockey than they were against Arizona at the very least, but Florida's looking like the better team. Does that matter? We go to the end of this first period and it's still one, one. Uh, they have to start the second period with a four on three penalty kill though. 
Uh, Jake Evans took a really silly tripping penalty with like a second left on the clock at the end of the first, and they were already at four on four because there was a kerfuffle between Mike Matheson and, Brady, and Matthew, not Brady Kachuk. They managed to kill that off, but the five on five superiority of the Panthers is really starting to take over the game in this period because once they kill that off, you know they looked good on the kill, but as soon as it gets back to five on five, you it's pretty clear who the better team is or who the better team is supposed to be at least. By the midway point, the Panthers are pretty high up on the the shot clock. They're about 10 shots ahead of the Habs. Habs only have two shots in the actual period, and eventually that five-on-five dominance gets to them. They get hemmed in their own zone. David Savard takes a cross-checking penalty out of frustration. Habs have been pretty good on the kill in the game up to that point. But that can only last so long. Sasha Barkov gets the puck in the corner, throws it out to Sam Reinhardt in the slot. He beats Samuel Montembeau, and it is two to one for the Panthers. Habs just can't get anything going in this period. But with like three seconds left on the clock in the second period, they get an offensive zone drop. Right again, they're struggling mightily to get anything going for them in this period whatsoever. So what they do, the draw is on the left side. <clears throat> so they put Yuri Slavkovsky up at the top of the circle so they can get a left shot up there. And Nick Suzuki wins it clean right back to Slavkovsky. He clutches for a second to find his release point. He finds it and finds a way through all the bodies and Anthony Stolarz. And just like that, it's two to two with one second left on the clock in the second period. We go into the third again with a tie game. And you could make an argument that they didn't deserve to be tied. But I'll tell you what, um, uh, the Habs just finding a way in this game. And early in the third period, they get a power play chance. And this time, they absolutely ace it. Nick Suzuki carries the puck in to the offensive zone. He draws two Panthers to go cover him on the half wall. He just peels into the half wall, and then he curls over there. And that's exactly what he wanted was to draw two defenders because then he throws it down low to Cole Caulfield. Cole Caulfield right back out to Alex Newhook, and he snipes it. 3-2 to two is your score in favor of the Montreal Canadiens. What is happening here? Not long after that, Evan Rodriguez runs through Samuel Montembeau and trips him with his leg. The ref, the ref with the, with the bands on, right? I'm not talking about a linesman. The ref with the bands on goes and stands in front of him and stops him from getting his ass beat by Arbor Jacki because, of course, he was about to get the shit beat out of him by the sheriff. And the ref was like, no, 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 I'm calling the penalty. I have not seen that. I don't think I've ever seen that in the NHL where a ref got in the way and stopped a fight from happening. It's usually the linesmen that break them up after they've already happened. But I digress, you know. Um, Rodriguez got called for tripping uh, Montembeau and uh, the Habs go to the power play but they can't do anything with it but then after Rodriguez gets out he also hits Brendan Gallagher up high Um, more on that hit after the recap I'm not going to talk about it too much right now but I thought that was an interesting choice after you just got saved by the ref to go out there and take a run at somebody but I digress again we'll talk about that more after the recap about seven minutes left in the period Habs are on the power play and this time it's disastrous you know the power play giveth the power play taketh away Um, Sam Reinhart comes in shorthanded. He cuts wide into the zone. He's going down towards the goal line, and then he just pulls it and snipes it. Gets it up over Samuel Montembeau's shoulder. Just a beautiful shot. Honestly, I would say normally in that situation, that's a shot that the goaltender should stop, but this one was just perfectly placed, so I can't really be mad at Montembeau for that one. Your score is 3-3, to and from there on out, we get wide-open hockey. You know, it's exciting. There's chances at both ends. Both teams look like they're scared to take penalties, but somehow the game is still a little bit chippy. Like, this was really good hockey down the stretch, and nobody can score. Nobody takes a penalty, so we go to overtime, and overtime, it's absolutely nuts. The first 
I don't know, 30 to 45 seconds or so belong to the Panthers. They've got the puck. They get a couple of chances, uh, but nothing doing. The next almost four minutes belong to the Montreal Canadiens. They're getting chances constantly. Uh, Uri Slavkovsky had a really good one that just barely, if it rolled a little differently for him, he would have ended the game right there in overtime, but he couldn't get it. And then the final minute belonged to the Panthers. They had a number of really good scoring chances, including one that Samuel Montembeau had to make a really good save with literally one second left on the clock. Nobody can get anything done. We go to a shootout, and in the shootout, it's Jesse Elinen up first. He gets a nice deke, but he hits iron. Sam Reinhardt goes next. He's stopped by the blocker of Samuel Montembeau. Nick Suzuki up for the Habs, robbed by the glove of Anthony Stolarz. Sasha Barkov goes next. Montembeau gets a piece of it, but it beats him short side. Cole Caulfield up next. He has to score to extend this thing, and he beats Anthony Stolarz on the glove side. And then it's Anton Lundell comes in with the game on his stick and just a smooth move to get over to the forehand. He outweighs Samuel Montembeau, and he scores. Your final is 4-3 to three for the Florida Panthers. I can't even be mad about that game. I just can't. My voice is like cracking here because I'm still fighting off this cold that I've been dealing with for like four days, five days at this point. But I, I can't be mad about that one. I asked after the Arizona game, what did I say on that podcast? I said, I just want to see better hockey from them on the road trip. I don't care if they win the games. Matter of fact, you know, they got four games in a row on the road against playoff teams. You expect them to probably go 0-4. All I wanted to see was better hockey, and we saw that for sure against the Panthers. They played much better than they did against the Coyotes, and that's a far better team. And this kind of, you know, it is a little bit frustrating because when they play shitty teams, for some reason they play like absolute dog shit. They play good teams, and all of a sudden they've got a different gear in them. And it is in some ways comforting because it's like, all right, you know that at least every game that they play, there's a chance that they can make something happen, and that's good to know. That's good for the players themselves to know because they go into next season maybe feeling a little bit more confident in some of those games where nobody's giving them a shot on paper. But um, it's it's also frustrating when you see a game like the one against the Coyotes where you feel like, wow, that's a team that we should be able to handle pretty easily, uh, and they can't. So, um, you know, it's a little bit of, you know, back and forth trying to evaluate this team. But I, I really enjoyed that game. I thought it was exciting. It was fun. Um, I don't love them getting a loser point. <clears throat> I think those loser points are really not very valuable whatsoever in the standings, not very valuable whatsoever in terms of the draft lottery positioning. But at the same time, you, you do get that excitement out of it. So from from a viewing perspective, from a, a sitting down and watching at home perspective, it makes it a little bit more fun. Uh, it definitely adds to the entertainment of it all. Uh, but the, the loser point, not great. So I can, on one hand, understand how Team Tank is a little bit upset about that. They got a loser point. They were outplayed at 5-on-5. Five five. But on the other hand, I think you have to take into account, like, you you got to look back to the previous game and go, D- were they better in this game than they were in that game? And the answer for me, unequivocally, is 1,000%. And they lost, which is weird, right? They won one game, and I'm saying that they were fucking way better in the game that they lost than the one that they won. And for me, that's great. For me, that's, you know, it's enough for me to not be upset about that game. And with that being said, I think we need to move over to the silver linings of the night. Yes, there's going to be multiple silver linings in this game. Starting, of course, with Nick Suzuki, uh, the captain. He had three points in that game. He's now sitting at 59 in 60 games this season. He's almost at a point-per-game pace. (laughs) Not only is this guy going to set 
another career high, which is going to be like the, I think he set a career high in every year that he's played in the NHL so far. He just gets better and better and better and better. Not only is he going to do that again, he might actually cross uh, the point per game mark and be the first player since what? Surgeon to, to cross point per game for the Habs. We haven't had that in so long. I think the last guy who was even pacing for it might have been Kovalev. I don't know. I don't have the time right now to go check the stats because it's kind of late. The game went to overtime and I got to go to bed because I got to take my kid to school in the morning. But it's 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 a feat, all right? And I know there's fans of other teams, and none of those fans are listening to my podcast, so it doesn't matter. But there's fans of other teams who will go out there and they'll try to belittle that. And they'll go, oh, well, your number one center is only point per game. That's not worth shit. Yes, it is, man. It, it is. A point-per-game player on the Montreal Canadiens is something that we were lacking for a very long time. Carey Price never had that luxury. Not once. Not once did he have a guy that was putting up a point-per-game. And, you know, it's it's nice. And the Habs, and Habs fans in general, we have a reason to be excited about Nick Suzuki potentially being the guy, uh, the first guy to do that in a very long time. And the fact that he's just gotten better and better and better in every year of his career, it, it makes you wonder, what's he going to do next year? Is he going to go for 90? Is he going to go for 100? I don't think 100 is out of the question. I've always said, and I've said this multiple times on this podcast or on Absent Minded, I believe Nick Suzuki will have multiple 90-plus point seasons in his career. Can he get to 100? That I don't know. It's, it's a tough mark to get to, but I'll tell you what. The way that that line is playing and the way that they're, they're capable of producing on the power play at times, we know it's up and down. I don't think 100 points is out of the question in his career. If you asked me the same question, I don't know, two years ago, I might have said, listen, 100 points is tough to get to, and I might have been a little bit more uh, leery to say that it's possible. But the way that that line's playing right now and the way that he's playing, I do not think that 100 points is out of the question in his career. He may actually hit it. I'm going to stick with what I said, which I think he's going to have multiple 90-plus point seasons. Um, I I don't know if he's going to hit 90 this year, but look at his pace over the last little while. It's hard to count him out. You know, I think he's going to take a run at it. He's going to try, but we'll see. Um, Really, what we have to celebrate right now as a major silver lining, not only to this game, but to this season, is the progression of Nick Suzuki. It has not stopped. He's not done getting better, and that's nuts. He's done nothing but improve on a team that's been rebuilding basically since he started playing for them. I mean, I, I know they had the run to the to the cup final, and uh, that was beautiful, and he was a big part of that. But let's face it, that was a team that was already needing a rebuild. And if not for guys like Suzuki and Carey Price, that run doesn't happen, right? That was not necessarily a team that was built to make that run. That was a team that surprised in making such a run. So, um, you know, it, it's huge. It's huge for the Habs to have that guy uh, doing what he's doing year in and year out. It's it's really great news. And we'll continue on. You know, Nick Suzuki's a known quantity. We got to talk about some other guys that are maybe lesser known quantities. And the, the next guy on my list for Silver Lining of the Night was Arbor Jacki. Um, not just because of that pass that he made, all right? It was not just the pass. The pass was beautiful, sublime, um, <laughs> was the word that I used to describe it when we were going through the recap there. But everything else that he did in that game was great. When the ref got in the way of Evan Rodriguez, Evan Rodriguez comes in, he does the whole bullshit, oh, I'm losing my balance, and then sticks his leg out and trips the goalie with it. Um, He did that on purpose. You're not going to convince me otherwise. And then the ref goes and gets right in front of him and holds his hands out like, whoa, 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 stop. And Jack, I, you know, doesn't... (laughs) 
he doesn't run through the ref or anything, but he kind of like gets right up in the ref's face almost, and he grabs Rodriguez anyways and lets him know, like, hey, you just got saved by the ref. Your life just got saved by the ref, because let's face it, Evan Rodriguez against Arbor Jacki, he might need hospital attention after that Rodriguez that is it's not going to go well for him and I think that's probably what Jack I told him was hey you're you're very extremely lucky that the fucking ref is standing here stopping me from beating the shit out of you because that's exactly what I was going to do and uh, I love that because remember not long ago right we had goaltenders getting hit in Montreal and nobody doing anything we had Zach Cassian running over a goaltender nobody doing nothing right everybody remembers that we don't have that anymore. And Jack is a big part of that. So not only is he capable of bringing that element to the game, he had the best statistical game of any Habs defender on the night. And he's been having the best statistical night of any Habs defender for a couple of games in a row now. He's very capable of playing the actual game. And he happens to bring that physical element, that fighting element uh, that you need sometimes. So Arbor Jack you know, He's had his stint with uh, the Rocket, and he's also played games for the Habs this season. He's chipping in offensively. We're starting to see him pick his spots better when he joins the rush. I, I really think he's he's doing one of two things here, okay? And the first thing that I'm going to say is not going to be very popular among a lot of people. And the first thing is he might be increasing his trade value to the point where somebody way overpays to get him at the deadline. I hate to say it because I would hate to see him leave. But... We have to confront that possible reality, which is that the Habs might be willing to trade him and somebody might be willing to way overpay for him based on what he's capable of doing. The other thing, which is perhaps even more likely because the organization seems to think very highly of him, is he might be making himself indispensable to this team. If he continues on the track that he's going, he could be one of the most legitimately great middle pair defenders in the league. And I, I mean that like bar none. And a sneaky good guy considering that they picked him up for absolutely nothing. They didn't even have to use a draft pick on him. Everybody overlooked this guy. And he just comes sweeping into the league. Might be one of the heavyweight contenders for if you want to you know, say that there's a heavyweight belt out there for fighters. Absolutely would be a contender for that belt. And it just so happens that he's looking very good at the actual hockey aspects. This is a player that came out of nowhere. And look, if you consider his overall play over the last two seasons that he's been a member of the Montreal Canadiens, obviously got shortened by injury last year. You can't honestly look at him and tell me that he hasn't gotten better game by game by game. There's been some off ones, right? We've all seen some games where he looked a little bit more like, you know, problematic on the back end, a little bit more of a liability in his own zone. And we've also seen the games where he looks like he can go out there and dominate. It seems like lately he's starting to fine-tune that game. He's starting to really find himself. And it's leading to some very great performances like the one that we saw against the Florida Panthers. So as long as he keeps that up, you know, maybe the second option is considerably more possible than a trade. Maybe he really cements himself and they go, look, we need to build a blue line that includes this guy. I don't know. I'll tell you what, I feel very comfortable with him playing on like the bottom pair, even on a very good team. And that's probably why there's contenders out there that would be willing to overpay for him because contenders would want somebody like that to play on either their second pair or their third pair. So 
look, Arbor Jack guy deserved silver lining in that game, and uh, I hope he continues to play like that because it, it it opens up a lot of options for the Montreal Canadiens. Outside of those two, um, I mean, I've already run over 20 minutes in this podcast, so I don't have much more to talk about. But outside of those two, honestly, I just felt like that was an exciting game. That was a good game to watch. I don't have many complaints. The third line was pretty rough in that game. Uh, the second line was was rough in some spots, but they kind of redeemed themselves in other spots. Um, the top line, you know, it was a bit of a roller coaster for them, but I tell you what, they managed to get it done through Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, and Uri Slavkowski. Uh, they certainly managed to, to find the offense that they needed to make this a game. And last but certainly not least, Samuel Montambo, um what more can you say about this guy? He gave them a chance to win. He gave them every possible chance to win. He looked very frustrated when he went off uh, at the end of that game. So uh, I kind of feel for him there because I, I felt like he deserved uh, a win in that one. Uh, and it was two games in a row now where he basically, uh, I, I wouldn't have said the Florida one was a steal. If they won that game, I don't think it would have been a steal necessarily. Uh, but it was close to one, and that's because Samuel Moltambo played great. Last thing I want to talk about is the um, Rodriguez hit on Gallagher. So I'm going to leave it on this note, right? So I put a clip of it up on Twitter, and people seem kind of split on it, whether or not it was a dirty hit. Um, Me personally, looking at that angle that RDS gave me, I can't tell if he made head contact first or if he made chest contact. Um, It's a weird play where Gallagher is coming out of the corner, and he's coming up along the outside hash mark, and he's got his head down because he's looking at the puck, and he's also bent over. Now, the one thing that I want to say before anything is anybody who fucking comes at me on Twitter and says, whoa, he's bent over, you've never skated if you're going to say something like that. Hockey players bend at the knees and at the waist when they skate. How many people have you fucking seen in your life playing a game of hockey, skating around completely upright with their spine 100% straight all the time? That doesn't happen, man. That would look really weird. So don't come at me and say, oh, he's bent over. Uh, That doesn't count. However, what I do want to get across here as well is that he's like Gallagher's in a vulnerable position, but he's not unhittable. You can hit a guy that's coming around like that. You just can't make the head contact. And for me, I cannot tell from the angle that I had whether or not there was head contact. But what I did think was that it was a real bold move from a guy who just got out of the box and before you went into the box, you needed a zebra to save you from catching a beating of epic proportions from the sheriff. So the fact that you ran around and you went and you know took a, a run at a guy afterwards, bold move, man. You're lucky that the sheriff didn't snatch you the next time he was on the ice with you and give you that beating that you avoided last time. Um, I'll be honest, I am kind of happy that Jack I didn't do that and kept himself in check because, you know, it ended up allowing for an exciting game. But look, next time the Habs and the Panthers play, I think Evan Rodriguez is going to have a target on his back. And uh, who is the person that's going to be aiming for that target? I think I got a few guesses, but uh, I I don't really know. So uh, we'll find out. To be continued, I guess. I'm going to cut the podcast off there because we are already running over 23 minutes. Alors, c'est une soirée inconnue pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.